from India's largest newsroom I'm Arun George and this is the Times of India podcast गली में तो दो तीन साल से रहती हूँ पर ये वो लोग मैं घर पे नहीं बुलाती थी गली में बातचीत अच्छे से होते थे भेदभाव नहीं करते हम लोग हिंदू है मुस्लिम है करके लेकिन मैं अभी जो रूम में बुलाई हूँ चाय पीने के लिए नाश्ता विश्ता वगैरह वगैरह वो लोग के पहली बार बुलाई हूँ अपना गाँव की बात क्या है धान पैदा नहीं हो रही है बारिश नहीं हो रही है क्या दुख क्या सुख ये सब बातें हम लोग कर रहे हैं सब अच्छे से हो रहा है मुंबई रेजिडेंट रिंकू सिंह is talking to TY pluses Alka Dubkar about recently having invited her neighbors over for a meal and a chat that might not sound like much but the campaign that Rinku Singh is part of is a unique one Alka spoke with multiple people in Mumbai who are participating in the campaign that's called Mere Ghar Aake To Dekho which aims to get people to meet people from other communities Shabnam Hashmi who heads the organization that came up with the campaign explains the idea behind Mere Ghar Aake To Dekho alka you see the kind of hatred that we have been seeing all around us and uh, we have been toying with various ideas one is that this is not a new idea we had experimented it earlier at a very small level but the basic idea was to somehow fight the prejudices and the preconceived notions which exist and it was very clear that when people do not meet each other then it is very easy to spread hatred or spread stereotypes about them so we were thinking of how to bring people together the usual method is that you do this interfaith prayers which usually do not end up in anything the idea of entering a house and looking at how people live i mean i found it very interesting and i thought if we are able to send families to meet each other then all those things that we get on our whatsapp for example all muslims having four wives and 25 children that would vanish the moment somebody enters a house there was a lot of debate once i discussed it with other people because they wanted a much shorter name and not mere ghar aake to dekho i thought that aake to dekho was very important because it says that you know you have preconceived notions about me who i am but at least come and see in today's episode shabnam hashmi is in conversation with alka dhupkar and me about the campaign that has seen people across the country sign up for it she explains how the campaign works and why they aren't targeting hardline elements of religions she also explains why food is at the heart of the campaign that hopes to sway the opinions of those participating in it alka started by asking about how the campaign works once guest family and host families are decided that we are going to meet what happens there exactly how many people are signed up for this camp we had formed committees in 28 states speaking to people and friends and organizations over phones and zoom and to some states i also traveled everywhere it is not happening as we would want this to happen what happens is very simple once two families meet there is maybe initial few moments when you feel awkward but after that there is a chemistry which kicks in and uh, they could be talking about anything they could be discussing food or culture or clothes or children's education or domestic violence or even politics one doesn't know and uh, the responses have been fantastic of people who have gone and and 
met a family for the first time of another caste or another religion or another region, a lot of people have told us that it was very important experience for them and it helped them overcome their preconceived notions and a lot of anxieties also. Like a couple had come, both doctors, senior people. The wife was very hesitant to come to Jamia because the way Jamia has been projected all over. So she was not sure whether something might happen, not with the family, but with the area itself. So after coming there, she was very happy that it helped her overcome all those fears. What is the target group for this campaign? The target group is, is frankly everyone except the hardcore. Because we have limited time. Nobody can change the way I think because I'm a hardcore secular person. So if the RSS or the Jamaat-e-Islami or any other Muslim fundamentalist organization wants to change the way I think, they won't succeed. Similarly, we had decided that we are not going to waste our time on either the Qatar Muslims or the hardcore Hindutva people. So our target group was fence-sitters, ordinary people who are swayed away by the kind of propaganda that comes on television and on WhatsApp messages. But otherwise, they have nothing against each other. They have always lived together. And after listening to this podcast, one needs to participate in this campaign. Then what should they do? We have a website for this campaign called meregharaketodekho.com. People are directly registering there. And anybody who wants to participate can register their name. Every two, three days, we check the list and then depending on which state they belong to, we connect them to the state coordinators to help them find a family where they can go and meet. Visiting areas where never ever they have been, like in Dalit-dominated area or Muslim-dominated areas, why it is important? For example, in Kutch in Gujarat, there is this Rabari community. They mainly work with cows. They are people who are also called Maldharis. They look after livestock. Maldharis are both Hindus and Muslims. They do business together, but they had never been to each other's homes. So as part of this campaign, the team in Gujarat worked with them and convinced them to visit each other's home. Similarly, in Surendranagar in Gujarat, a number of upper caste people went to Dalit families and had tea together. In Delhi, we had, there is a place called Jaitpur Extension. So we had over 20 women from an organization who came there and went to Muslim families for the first time probably. They had never been to a Muslim area. They had never been to Muslim households. Stories are coming from, from Maharashtra, from Karnataka, from Telangana, from all across India. We have not touched Manipur because of the present situation there. But even in Northeast, in Assam, in Nagaland, in Mizoram, not many, but some interactions have happened. The response of people who have been to each other's homes or, or organized it in other ways, it has been very good. But I feel that it needs to expand a lot more to make any substantial difference in the overall situation. Because on 15th August, we had approximately 50,000 people participated. That might look a big number, but if we compare it to India, it's a very small number. So there is a need to expand and uh, 
find the possibilities of reaching out to more people more groups is this a political campaign everything that you do is politics everything that you do there is a politics of keeping quiet and let things happen and there is a politics of intervening to stop when you talk about uh, fighting hatred there is a politics to it because organizations and political parties who are spreading hatred they are doing politics so it's not political in the sense of that you are doing it for a political party no but for safeguarding the diversity the communal harmony of this country and safeguarding as a result of that the constitution of this country there is politics to it there's politics of peace and harmony and love we have done some very interesting campaigns earlier also but this has been one of the few campaigns which has resonated so much with ordinary people because this uh, has direct connection with the ground this is not abusing anyone or calling names this is just trying to bring communities together and uh, once people come together then it's not only one meeting then they become friends forever and sometimes those relationships continue for years so it's a very innovative way i think of uh, fighting hatred and fighting prejudices not only communal hatred but also biases uh, based on caste we have also said that you know visit a family which is not of your religion caste or sexual orientation so even the kind of discrimination that the lgbtqi communities feel if we are able to expand it further then there would be a difference in people's perception about each other so how long do you plan to continue this campaign you see we have right now said till 30th of january which is gandhi's martyrdom day but we hope that if it lasts till 30th january then organically it will grow people will see the use of such a campaign nobody wants to live in tension and with hatred so i think it will grow on its own shanti ayer's husband is a temple priest and they participated in the campaign she explained to alka why food is a crucial ingredient for stronger ties sabse zyada khane se ye pyar padta hai sabko khane ke liye bhi pyar hota hai pyar hona chahiye pyar se khana banao tab bhi acha lagega wo khana bhi ghar ka wo kaam bhi kisi ko bhi dena ho pyar se hi karte hain actually pyar se rahega to kisi ka ye nafrat bilkul nahi aayega we asked shabnam hashmi about putting food at the heart of the campaign food right now is one of the most divisive topics across society and yet this campaign challenges that by asking you to visit another person's home and most of the people that alka spoke to talk of consuming food at the other person's house and just finding out that oh it is exactly what i eat or things like that could you talk about why you're focused on this aspect one is that what is projected in the media and what is used to polarize is really not the situation on the ground if you talk to the bhaks they will say all hindus are vegetarians which is nonsense you know large number of hindus are not dalits are not tribals are not despite all the efforts done by the sangh parivar but as part of this we are telling every family that if you know if you are a muslim and a hindu family is coming to your house just ask them in advance if they are vegetarians if you are offering dinner or lunch if you are offering tea it's fine then it doesn't matter 
lot of Hindu families are going and they are relishing non-vegetarian food in in Jamia and in Shaheen Bagh and and in many other areas across India. So food is definitely a uniting factor. However hard they try to use it as something which polarizes, it doesn't. Because ultimately the tastes are uh, same and then people end up uh, sharing recipes and talking to each other. As they say that if you want to keep somebody happy, keep their stomach filled. How optimistic are you about a campaign like this? A big challenge in this is that we are mainly working through civil society networks. And not everyone is able to understand the depth of this campaign. They are so used to organizing programs in public spaces. The name is that, Mere Ghar Aake Tu Dekho. But programs are still happening in public places. Or they are sending their own teams. Like one organization sends six people, they go and visit the homes. That is not the idea. This requires a lot of hard work because you need to go to an area, convince people to open their homes, then find families to visit their homes. This requires a lot of coordination. This doesn't require any money. But this kind of hard work, not everyone is used to doing this. It is taking a lot of time to explain it to people how to do it and why it is important. You also spoke of how with this campaign, you don't want to reach out to the hardline elements because you don't believe you can change their minds. But then how does one get through to the hardline elements given they are as influential as they are? How do we change their minds about these things? Then, See, that's a very long process. Right now, if we look at the challenge that is in front of us, is to ensure that the kind of attacks which are coming on democracy and democratic structures, and they're using the tool of polarizing people. There is a large section of fence-sitters who get swayed away by all kinds of things which are told to them. If we are able to reach out to them as first step, I think that is very important because if there is a possibility of change, it is it will happen because of the fence-sitters realizing that, you know, they are being used to spread this hatred and not think about what's happening in the country. Hardliners are very difficult to change because it is intoxication for maybe 20, 30, 40 years. It's not easy to do that. So maybe later stage, one can think of how to do it. But I I really don't have any answers for that right now. How easy is it to change a person's mind on a subject like this, where there is an inherent bias, your bias is fed almost daily. How do you change that? You see, it's not very difficult also, frankly. We started, Anhad started in 2003. And we started with doing residential camps on democracy, secularism. And in every camp, we had about 150 young people. We were able to convince at least 80% of them over seven days using lectures, getting very good academicians, showing films. We used a lot of films. You are able to make people to understand. After the second day, you will see their faces change and their eyes start sparkling because they have heard certain things for the first time. But the problem is that our reach is very limited because. 
we can reach 100 people over seven days, they can reach probably 70,000 people through their machinery. So it is not difficult to change. The problem is uh, having resources, both financial and physical resources, to be able to do that. You spoke about the youth just now. And with this campaign, the focus is on the sort of family unit. How does one reach them with this message? We are trying to reach out to schools and colleges also. In fact, that's also very interesting. I was invited to a school to speak about this campaign. And uh, the students were so lively and they asked all kinds of questions. But later on, the school got back to me and they said, if you had said students, they would have come. But since you said families to visit families, there's a lot of resistance. There's a lot more resistance in the middle classes than in among the poor or the lower middle classes. So, again, not a very easy task, but we are trying whatever we can. You see, the other thing is that this whole campaign is working on zero resources because Anhat doesn't have any resources, never had, because in 2014, our FCRA was cancelled. Even I don't know if you have seen our campaign song. That campaign song is professionally recorded, professionally sung, but it has been done all pro bono. So everything is being done pro bono and uh, there are a lot of things. If one had money, you could push it on social media. Yeah, it will reach out to a lot more people than it is reaching out right now. We recently had a guest on the show who said that something like communal hate may not stop economic growth or progress, but what it will do is make it very lopsided. How do you see it playing out? What for you is the worst case scenario? It will very deeply affect the economic growth. If somebody thinks that it won't, it's a mistake. Just two, three days of unrest in Nu, in Haryana, all the Gurgaon had come to a stop. So if this kind of uh, constant uh, communal clashes are happening or communal hatred is spreading, it is not possible for any economic growth. People do not invest, businesses do not grow, countries do not grow if there is unrest. Only in peaceful conditions when there is everything calm and people are close to each other, only then economy will grow. Today's episode was produced by Jairad Singh and Anuja Singh. For a daily spotlight on people, ideas and stories that matter, subscribe to us. We're available on TY+, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts and all other platforms of your choice. For any news tips, email us at toipodcast at timesinternet.in.